Welcome, welcome guys. We are here for another episode of The Lock-In. Never let it be said we don't listen to our audience. Uh, we have listened to your comments over the past, I don't know, 20 or so episodes, ever since we first did one of those fandangled lock-ins from a, uh, a location. And uh, you keep telling us you want to see more of the city, you want us to do an outside lock-in. Well, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're here in the beautiful city of Tallinn for the PAPC. I am here with my co-host, you know this man, Darrow Kearney. Darrow, we are going to do this, aren't we? I, I, I don't know, David. I don't really fancy this anymore. Can we go back inside, please? What's wrong with this? This is lovely. It's too cold. Baltic. Too cold. Welcome, welcome once again, guys. Well, I'm determined to give this a go, i got to say. I have found a beautiful city park. Dara, he, he's assured me he's up for this. Let's find him here. Dara, we're going to do this? No, it's too crowded. What about here? Too rainy. What about here? Too snowy. Here? Oh, fuck! Loud! What about here? Too hungry. What about here? Well, I just got a hot chocolate and to be honest, that's pretty much the only thing I'm interested in right now. Well, third time's a charm, guys. We are here in the beautiful city of Tallinn, the Estonian capital. We couldn't brave the elements and Dara really wanted to finish that hot chocolate. So uh, we've taken refuge in my hotel room to bring you the last fortnight's news, gossip and scandal. First up, the PAPC. Dara, let's talk about Tallinn and the PAPC. We have been enjoying, it's got to be said, a really in pleasant festival. It was sort of on commentary duty. It's a bit different to the way we normally do things. Yeah, it's a bit weird not to be playing and, to, not, and also to be coming in quite late in the day um, because we, we typically started streaming in the evening so we're not dragging ourselves out of bed and going down to play at an early hour. I mean, we are dragging ourselves out of bed to make sure that we get the free breakfast, which is a very <laughs> poker player thing to do. Of course. But, yeah, it's been a great festival. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a mixed festival as well because obviously there's a lot of tournaments like at any festival, but there's a lot of cash game stuff as well and there have been the other things that have been organised by Patrick um, and it's been a lot of fun to commentate on for, uh, for sure. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. There has been a, it was called Challenge Patrick, it was a heads up contest. Nine uh, qualifiers who came through Unibet managed to get themselves into this one. There were some local boys as well. When it got down to the semi-finals, there were four, three of whom were Unibet qualifiers. We commentated on that televised table, uh, sort of a double chance style, uh, heads up encounter between all the guys. And they were playing for the right to go up against Patrick in a best of three. Standard was very good, Dara. Standard was phenomenal, yeah, it really was. I mean, perhaps not too surprising because all of these guys were tournament players and uh, this, the, the the double chance nature, it was interesting. It basically meant that they could take uh, a second tranche of chips anytime they wanted, but they all waited until they had to do it, which meant that they were essentially playing shallow. It was fairly fast, so it kind of, all the games quickly got down to the sub 20 beat blind zone where you wouldn't really expect a, an experienced tournament player to make a mistake and none of these guys were making mistakes so it kind of came down to what the cards were and uh, that was basically what was um what, what decided the matches indeed it was well on thursday that was the entertainment on show on friday we had 
a very enjoyable cash game. It was called the Patrick Antonio's Poker Challenge Flop Mug. That's what we were nicknamed anyway. First land of poker meet up game. Patrick took his seat in a 510 game, which was sort of using the Flop app, which of course is a sort of social app where people can start their own games. Using that app, it was first come, first served. Anyone wanted to play in that meet up game against Patrick could do so. And, you know, we, we had a very entertaining game there, including uh, in the uh, people taking on Patrick were Kim Holtman. Kim Holtman is somebody you guys might be familiar with if you're watching the current season of High Stakes Poker. He's battling it out for, well, considerably bigger stakes than those ones than 510, it must be said. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely there to gamble. He was, he was, by, he was driving the action on the table, far, by far the most entertaining player to watch. He was also the one who was getting most of the love in, in the chat. I think a lot of his community, um, I'm going to try and remember the name, it's something like, let's give it a spin. That's exactly um, it. They, uh, they, they basically showed up and, and they really enlivened proceedings. So it, it, it was a lot of fun. And um, the standard poker was very high. I mean, he was playing very, very loose and, uh, you know, looser probably than Flop GTO would recommend. But, uh, but post Flop, he was playing really, really well um, with the uh, sort of caveat that he was there to gamble at every possible opportunity. Yeah, well, he did gamble it up, but unfortunately, I think he was the big loser in the game. Patrick cleaned them all out. He made it from 13K, I want to say, to about 17K by the end of play. You mentioned Flop GTO there. That's the other product that the Flop team have been working on. And playing in the game for at least an hour or two at the beginning was Michael Acevedo, who's been partnering up with these guys to build that Flop GTO app. Dara, summarise what that is for our audience. Yeah, well, if anybody has bought um, Michael's book, and if you haven't bought it, you definitely should. It's, it's the best... Uh, poker book out there called Modern Poker Theory and exactly as the title suggests it is the best book on modern poker theory that's out there. It has hundreds and hundreds of GTO charts which are pre-solved pre-flop ranges and the idea is basically taking that and putting it into an app form where people can uh, can check all these ranges on their on, on their phone or whatever other they're using. They're also adding post-flop as well so that's still being worked on but it's basically a GTO solution for, um, for Hold'em. Yeah, it must be said, a very useful tool, well worth picking up as well. Well, it is Saturday right now at the time of recording, of course. This might be going out a little bit later. So we don't know right now what's going to happen tonight, but we do know it's going to be a 50-100 cash game. No limit hold'em. We know Patrick's going to be back in action. We know Kim is going to be back in action. There's a few other well-known faces around this casino and around the hotel here in the park. Uh, Hilton, Dara, who have you noticed and who do you think might jump in? Yeah, Mr. Sunshine himself, Yuha Helpy is here and uh, also Zygmunt, uh, Lurie Zamis, or however you say that name, um, is here as well. And uh, Finnish poker legend Aki Pissing is in the house too. So certainly we, we're expecting a few of those guys to get in the mix. Yeah, some old schoolers there, sort of a, a flashback to Railbird Heaven from 2010. There's going to be a, a few of the old school guys in the mix on this feature table, which we're very much looking forward to covering. We've been doing it with James Dempsey. Never worked with James before. A lovely guy, i got to say, and enjoying his company off the tables too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's weird because Flushy has been playing for a lot, even longer than us, and you would think that our, cross, our paths would have crossed at this point, but they really haven't. And as you said, this is our first time not just working with him, but even hanging out with him. Well, onto some news now, guys. You will notice there was a little cut there. I'm not going to say what mistake I made, but, you know. Yeah, you didn't. You, you <laughs> we couldn't have kept it in. Definitely didn't call Ultimate Bet Unibet. That definitely didn't happen. <laughs> I, we could have left it in now if you're going to dob me in on this take as well. Okay, anyway, on to some news. I've got to say, it's been a bit of a slow news week. We have 
been seeing a lot of live festivals playing out so we're getting a lot of results we're getting a lot of you know million dollar wins and all that good stuff but not really generating the news we've seen maybe in more recent weeks so what i did for my article this week i, I sort of did a little uh, retrospective maybe is that the word i look and look back on the career of annie duke uh, poker pariah one could say she's obviously had a bit of a checkered past in the game uh, managed to scrape together an article sort of in the context of her now rebranding herself as a decision scientist whatever the fuck that means uh my piece took a look back at her past it started off all about the donald and the celebrity apprentice donald trump of course that was his big show on nbc back in the day he bestowed the title of celebrity apprentice on joan rivers and not annie duke in the final back then i actually thought she was an okay person she was raising loads of money for charity i thought oh this is a great poker person in the news for a good reason but only about a year later she ended up in the news for all the wrong reasons as her involvement with ultimate bet during various scandals that must be said about involved in quite a few scandals obviously pot ripper being the famous one and then of course post black friday it wasn't good either. Um, the one thing I would say is, having written this article, and I, I suppose I was sort of doing it in the context of decision scientist slash, I suppose she's become an author as well. Uh, Dara, you were very quick to criticise me uh, and say that I had, it was, it was, I, I it was easy, I'd taken an I, easy approach. I didn't, I didn't criticise you at all. I thought, I, I thought you were really, really brave to go after such a hard target as any Duke. I mean, people, you knew you're going to polarise people there, wasn't people were going to rush to retire. It, it, it'd be like a political journalist who is, you know, he's basically run out of ideas. So he just does a piece on bad, why Hitler was a bad person. <laughs> Well, first of all, he invaded Poland, and then he and then he took the Czechs. It, it's it was yeah. I mean, it, we all kind of knew that we didn't really like any Duke, but I guess you brought that into into sharp focus. You, it's so funny that you used the Hitler. That's exactly what Joan Rivers called her on the Celebrity Apprentice. He called her Hitler anyway, or she called her Hitler anyway. Uh, to back up your point. Um, not to back up your points, I'm going to put this in a different way, actually. Uh, you also sort of suggested that um, maybe when I write something critical, it's a little bit different to when you write something critical yeah. or when you write something positive. Yeah, I mean, it was really funny because, I mean, you, you did a real hatchet piece. You literally dredged up all the worst aspects of her past, crammed them into one uh, exquisitely written piece, it has to be said. But, uh, and, and, and the reaction of most of Poker Twitter was like, Oh, that wasn't hard enough. You should have swung the the, the axe harder and, and and faster. I think as John Pill put it, yeah. and uh, you forgot about this thing and you forgot about that thing and this thing should have been there as well. I mean, basically, if what about it, when she killed all those puppies, Dave, and put yeah. them in the plastic bag? If you included everything people want to include, it would have been a novel rather than a than a piece on VSO. But um, it was interesting to me that people, you know, you've written a real hatchet piece and yet people were saying you weren't harsh enough. Whereas when I wrote a very, very positive piece overall about EPT Prague not so long ago, with one minor criticism in the middle of it, everybody was like, oh my God, Doak has really put the boot in this time. Those poor people he's attacking. What, what is he thinking? What is he thinking? So The, the thinnest of uh, cream layers in that Oreo cookie and people all focused <laughs> in on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's... I mean, uh, yeah, we've, we've talked about this before among ourselves. Like, I just can't get away with criticizing people. It doesn't seem. Everybody gets really, really upset and thinks, and, and, and thinks I'm being too harsh. Whereas you can literally get, you can say anything about anyone and people will just go, yeah, well, that's just, that's just Dave being Dave. Or even like, <laughs> well, yeah, he could have actually gone farther there. We're quite, su we're quite surprised by he his- He held back. We're quite surprised by his restraint. <laughs>
at, at calling Hitler a mass murderer. You could have called him much worse things. Yeah. Well, look, before Darren like, drags me into a Hitler conversation, which we don't want to go, what's it, Goggins rule? We don't want to go there. We're not going there right now, guys. Goggins uh, rule. Goggins rule, yeah, yeah. Godwin's rule. Godwin's rule. Sorry, I knew it was, I was Goggins close. is the ultra runner. I don't, need to, I don't think he ever <laughs> said I dragged another before. person into yeah. it. Anyway, okay. Back, serious face, we're back on this now again. I, I call her a decision scientist and I said, what the fuck was that? Tara, what the fuck is a decision scientist? Well, I feel like a decision scientist, the, the, there probably is such a thing as a decision scientist, but I don't think any joke is it. Um, I feel like people like Daniel Kahneman, who wrote Thinking Fast and Slow, describing all of the cognitive biases that we have and the reasons why our decisions might sometimes be skewed. Um, he can probably legitimately claim to be a decision scientist and he has an he has a Nobel Prize to back it up. I also feel that people, you know, with from a neuroscientific background, um, they understand how the brain works and why it might misfire in certain situations. We had Karina from Mindset Design on recently, for example, on the show, and I think she could legitimately claim to be a decision scientist. But any joke, I mean, for me, that's that, that's that, that would be like me claiming to be a theoretical mathematician just because I know how to work out pot odds. It just doesn't really compute <laughs> with me. I mean, yeah, yes, she made decisions in poker, but I mean, she wasn't the greatest poker player of all time either. I don't see how she can suddenly just rebrand herself as this world-leading expert on something called decision science, which um, we're yet to find in any uh, curriculum in universities. Indeed, she has seemingly glommed onto that community and sort of has garnered some respect, which I think is what is making so many people cringe and making so many people come out with the, the tweets that I included in my article, because I suppose as a poker player, like she's claiming to be a good decision scientist. She, she's probably one of the poker players who made some of the worst decisions in the history of our game. Yeah, overall, she certainly did. I, I mean, I think the thing about Annie is essentially she's a hustler or a con man, and those people always present themselves very well. So a lot of the people who are reading the type of stuff that she writes now, really know nothing about the field, but she writes in a in a compelling manner and it kind of makes sense to them. It's in the same way that a con man's pitch makes sense uh, to somebody who's not very sophisticated. I think the key to it is she's appealing to a not very sophisticated audience. Yeah, well said. Well, it was all sort of in the context of any also announcing a new book, which is coming out later this year, called Quit, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away. Well, on behalf of the poker community, I wish you would walk away, actually. That would be kind of much better, I think. Yeah, and even that's just a, a rejig of uh, Tommy Angelo's uh, old thing about folding. Um, yeah, she, 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 she is sort of the, 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 the pop, pop scientist of our field, where she just takes other people's ideas and uh, brings them to the masses somehow. Yeah, and ends up on the telly somehow as well. Anyway, moving on, you mentioned your articles being received differently from mine. You also took a, a different tact with your article. This week, you wrote a piece on a, a dear friend of yours, Dara, it must be said, uh, poker player Mark Dalimore, who passed away. Uh, it was a lovely tribute, I must say, a, a man who I only met once myself, but was exactly the larger-than-life figure you had pitched him to me as being, and you knew you told me if I ever met him, I would know where you came from. Well, I certainly did. Can you tell us a little bit more about Mark? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with Mark was one of those characters that when you described him to people, people thought you must be exaggerating. Um, but then when they met him, they thought maybe you'd actually understated it a little. Uh, in a different way to any Duke, he had he had a checkered past as well, and I did I I did acknowledge that in the piece because I wanted it to be sort of a true to true true to the full picture of Mark. But he 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 was the kind of guy who he just burned his way into the memories of every single person he met. He was one of a kind, absolutely, totally charismatic. First time I met him, he came forth in a, in a GUKPT and we were chatting afterwards and he admitted to me that he knew almost nothing about the maths of the game, very little about the strategy. But in his words, 
I'm all about getting tilting people so badly at the poker table that they play even worse than I do. And then I'm the best player at the table. And that was very much his style. And he, he continued that throughout his career. A few years later, I saw him. Uh, I was actually with him at the World Series of Poker. And we were going back uh, to day two or day three, the main event. And we knew that uh, Daniel Negreanu was on his table. And he said, oh, yeah, I've got plans for Daniel. He, he, he wouldn't elaborate on that as we walked across. Um, and when we got there, basically his, his, his whole game plan was he was incredibly nice and charming to everybody at the table as he, as he could be. He could really turn on the charm, but he completely ignored Daniel and Daniel couldn't, couldn't work out what was happening. And it, it, Mark was so charismatic that he essentially dominated the table talk and Nugrano was getting it difficult to, to get a look in. And, and remember, this is a feature table, so this is particularly bad for Daniel. Um, and Daniel tried to interact with him a few times and Mark just snapped at him. So it was uh, it was a very entertaining 20 minutes. Mark, unfortunately, did bust, but he, he, he created such a big impression on Negreanu that I remember I was standing on the rail beside some of Negreanu's supporters. And when Mark got all in, Daniel stood up first of all and started cheering for the other guy's car to come so that, that Mark would be gone from the table. And then when Mark did lose the flip, he ran over to celebrate with his rail and he went, oh, that guy's loco, that guy's loco. So he, he, he created a huge impression on Daniel and pretty much everyone he met. Okay, I have to ask one more story about Mark because it might be my favorite one. And it involves, we think it involves a grizzly bear. The grizzly bear, yeah. We were on the way to the Grand Canyon with um, my good friend Mick McCluskey and my son Paddy. And Mark was just a bundle of energy. We couldn't, we, we couldn't really contain him, but we had to stop overnight. So we stopped uh, in, a, in a motel, Route 66. Now we had just passed a bear sanctuary where we had actually gone through the bear sanctuary. And um, Mark had alarmed Mick by wanting to open the door and get out and interact with the bears. And when, when, when Mick suggested this might not be a good idea, Mark said, look, if you don't shut up, I'll throw you to the bears. So, <laughs> so we, we'd been to that. But anyway, we, we, got, we got back to the hotel. Mark is still bouncing around. So I decided, okay, well, I better room with him. I was, I was obviously gonna room with my son, but I didn't want to inflict a, a hyper Mark Dalamore on Mick McCloskey, who was meeting him for the first time, I think. So I said, okay, I'll room with you, Mark. So we, so we get to the room and Mark is still full of energy. So he says, oh, I, I need to go out for a while. I need to go out for a while. Now we're literally in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around. So Mark disappears. He, he comes back in the morning and he's got gashes all over his face. His clothes are in bits. Uh, he always loved to wear his Ed Hardy gear and that was all ripped to shreds. And I said to him, what have you been doing, Mark? And he said, oh, I went off to wrestle a few bears. Apparently he climbed back into the sanctuary and, and, and decided to actually take on the bears. And that was completely, uh, that, that, that was exactly the type of thing that Mark did. Um, when he decided he was gonna do something, he just went for it. He sure did. And there is one other great story. Actually, there's loads of great stories in that piece, but there's one other great one uh, involving Manny Pacquiao. I'm not going to spoil it because you can't give everything away. You have to click the link. We'll include the link somewhere. We probably will. We'll, we'll forget we, to we include the link, we'll... but find Harris article and click the link and uh, and find out how... Somehow, well, you mentioned about wrestling bears. She's about Manny Pacquiao, quite the uh, contender in his day, quite the champion in his day. So uh, yeah, that could get interesting. Have a read, guys. Click on Dara's link at VSO News this week. Uh, quick result before we sort of wind things up here. Congratulations to our very good friend and actually very recent uh, guest on the chip race, Jamie Nixon. He proved once again that chip race run good is a real thing. He came second in the high roller at the UK IPT. The UK IPT is back, by the way. Uh, great to see it back. And I know there is a Dublin stop coming up that we're going to be attending as well. Uh, he got about 40 grand for that. And uh, let that be a lesson to anybody out there who gets invited by us on one of our shows and even thinks for a split second of not coming. 
Absolutely, yeah, but I, I would also say it's important <clears throat> who invites you because I invited Jamie and therefore it seemed very, very appropriate that Jamie came second. Whereas, <laughs> whereas if David had invited him, he would have come, he would, I don't he, know, 23rd He would have stalled into the money. He would have stalled into the money into the cash, yeah. So. Maybe a ladder or two. Um, also, at the time of recording, guys, the chess wizard, it must be said, probably, maybe, I think he's the greatest of all time. Dara, you'd probably put in a couple of other people in that list, but Chess Bohemoth and Unibet sponsored uh, human being. He's a brand ambassador in general, higher than us, higher up the chain than us. He's a, he's a sentient being. He's a sentient being. Magnus Carlsen is deep in the Norwegian Poker Championship main event, which is pretty cool. That's being played over in City West right now. Dara, you were in City West for a few days before this trip to Tallinn. We're obviously going back there for the Irish Open next week. How did it go for you? Um, I bricked everything, but apart from that, it was wonderful. The Norwegians are, are such great fun. Um, they really are just wonderful people to play poker with. I think the Irish and the Norwegians always mix very well, but the, yeah, just the good humour. I think the Norwegians were really, really happy to be back too because they haven't been here since 2019. So, um, you know, the history of the Norwegians is they used to do it in a different country every place. I remember early in my career, they had it in Dusseldorf, there was one in Riga, there was one in Malta. But then they came to Ireland at some point and they just decided, right, we're coming back to Ireland every year. And somebody told me that this year, uh, Frodo, the, the main guy, suggested that maybe they didn't need to come to Ireland this year. And, he, and he, it, it was almost like he had suggested, uh, you know, murdering Bambi or something. He was getting death <laughs> threats. Was, what do you mean we're not coming to Ireland? Of course we're coming to Ireland. So uh, there, there was a tremendous atmosphere there. And um, the hotel also did very well, it has to be said, because, you know, it's difficult for hotels in Ireland. They're, they're reopening. They're, there are staff shortages, et cetera, et cetera. But the whole thing was, went very smoothly and, um, and was a great... Uh, precursor to to the Irish Open, which is also going to be an amazing week, I think. Yeah, I teed you up there to mention how you bricked uh, four or five tournaments in a row at uh, at City West. You didn't you didn't decide to have retribution and, and mention my performances in Malta. No, I thought. Th thanks was, for that, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, bring it up myself now. Yeah, you you you're, you're welcome for that. Well, I think th I don't think there's any real surprise to people when you oh, break for four no. or five tournaments. Harsh, harsh. I did. I played the I fired twice in the high roller. Took a couple of nasty ones, I must say, and fired a couple yeah, of other. Bad beat alert. Here we go. I'm going to tell us. I'm not going to. I won't. I won't bore you with the details. But they got. It was so. I was so annoyed because Party Poker did their conquers with this event in uh, Malta. They overlaid massive in their online satellites. They overlaid massive with their satellites. I think they're just throwing people in at the end. They still fell about 75K short of the half million guarantee. Couldn't play the main event. My son was turning five. I was at a children's birthday party getting drunk. And uh, no, that was a good fun day, I must say. But I did play uh, the high roller and fired a few bullets inside events that were only one day long and didn't cash anything. So I really want to cash something at the Irish Open. Dara, we used to have uh, uh, horrible runs in the Irish Open, no caches to speak of. And actually, I think we both may have cashed a few in a row now. Yeah, I've cashed the last three, but I mean, two of them were online. So, but I did finally break my live, um, my live brickage, let's say, of the Irish Open main event. Uh, probably only took five bullets or whatever it was <laughs> in a year. Uh, it's, it's not quite the achievement it used to be to catch the Irish Open, but, but at least I was glad to get that monkey off my back um, a while ago. And uh, yeah, obviously trying to keep the sequence going and well, that particular sequence, don't want to keep a sequence of bricks going. We did actually, a few years ago, we were both bricking quite a lot too. I think we had one cash between us in 30 something tournaments. Oh my God, I remember um, that summer. Yeah, that was that, that that was not fun. So that's not definitely not the sequence we want to keep going. Yeah, I do remember, uh, well, well Dara very kindly tries to get the phone going so I can go back to my notes here. I'm going to, I'm going to stall for us. Uh, I do remember one funny one where uh, we weren't both bricking, but you bricked for, actually it was in retrospect quite a short amount of time. I think we were in Bristol 
Uh, and and you finally yeah. got an L min cash or something in some tournament, and it was the first time you cashed in. I don't know. It was probably only about ten weeks or eleven weeks, but I was being really mean. What did I say? Yeah, I think my previous cash had been maybe in April, and this was August or something. <laughs> and you and you you, you commented you commented very kindly that my Hindu mob no look no longer looked like the one of a man who died back in April. <laughs> we're friends. We're, we're still friends. <laughs> you know. We, we got past it. Uh, one final thing before we go. I mentioned how nine very fortunate qualifiers came here and played the uh, PAPC talent. They also got thrown into that free roll, which was pretty nice. They won a, a 1,650 quid main event seat and they got to uh, stay in the hotel and uh, Pekka Eichen and got to win. A, I think he gets to go to Monte Carlo and hang out with Patrick Antonius, which sounds pretty fucking good. Yeah. And um, we've also got loads of other qualifiers. I suppose that's what I wanted to drive at here. Unibet is sort of the home of uh, live poker right now. Uh, you can do loads of qualifiers between April 25th and May 7th. Second, there is the Malta Poker Festival, which is overlapping slightly with the Dublin Poker Festival, which is on from April 28th to May 8th. You can qualify uh, for the Malta for the Malta Poker the Festival Mo the, for the, the Malta Poker Festival for the Malta Festival uh, from uh, every Sunday. Every Sunday, there's a, a final qualifier. Uh, those satellites are producing, I think, like more than the three seats we're guaranteeing at the moment. I heard good news that we maybe produced a fourth or a fifth seat last week. So it sounds like they're popular. Um, also, uh, if you want to qualify for two events, actually, at the uh, Dublin Poker Festival, the A Cup and the European Deep Stacks, which, of course, you are a former winner of, um, that they're the, both doing the very, very well. The very first one, so... Yeah, that's the most important. The inaugural, yeah, the inaugural. He put his marker down early. There's a 300 quid main in the A Cup, and it's I think it's 570 in the European Deep Stacks. They're also qualifiable uh, via the Unibet client right now. Sunday qualifiers, and of course, super satellites running all through the week. Before we go, though, it seems remiss. We used to do this thing on this show. We didn't do it for very many episodes, but I want to uh, throw back to it if you like today, where Dara used to uh, sign us off with the strategy nugget. Well. We don't do it now, but I thought it would be remiss of me not to ask you, in the light of all these Unibet satellites, not to maybe offer your top satellite tip. The man who wrote the book, Poker Satellite Strategy, by the way. Um, uh, go on, tell me, tell me, what would you do? One tip, one <laughs> yeah, minute, one yeah. minute lesson. Okay, and you've, you've eaten into my minute now. Um, so, I mean, the most important thing is to realize that you're not trying to win a tournament. If there are 10 seats, you're just trying to get and, and to get to be one of the last 10. The way, the best way to approach that early on is to set the target. If one person in every 10 is going to get it, then you need 10 times the starting stack. So the nearer you get to that, the nearer you are to the ultimate goal and you, sh and you really shouldn't be taking risks at that point. This is coming even more into focus now because there's a new format of satellite, which is actually called target stack satellites, which is that when you get to that target, it's done. You're, Boo, you're, we don't like them. They don't sell any books. Boo. Um, but actually we, 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 are, we are talking about maybe including a new chapter. And I did read a piece. Yeah, we like, like them. Recently. More new book sales. Yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> more reasons for people who already have the book to buy the book again. Um, but yeah, but even in the normal satellites, that is kind of, you know, if you start with 10,000, when you get to 100,000, assuming it's one in 10, you're pretty much there. So you shouldn't be taking big risks anymore. Um, you can still go on playing, obviously, but if somebody moves all in for 50,000, let's say, there's very little upside for you. You've already got the amount of chips you need. Whereas if you lose, you're going to go down to 50,000 and, 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 and now you're only a 50% shot. And, that, and, and that's the other thing, you know, always try to estimate what your chances are right now based on your stack. Well, on that note of wisdom, that is it for an episode of The Lock. And it's been a short but sweet one, we hope. We are here in Tallinn. Just point out again, we didn't mention at the start, curtains are back. 
nice curtains this time. The back, yeah. These are Hilton curtains. This isn't this isn't the, the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. No, we did our absolute best to, 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 to do this outside like people have been asking for, but it turns out the outside world is full of noise and distractions. You can't control people. And, you can't yeah, tell them to be just, quiet when yeah, you're trying absolutely. to record. Yeah, we, 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 we did try in that restaurant to tell every single person in the place they needed to be quiet for the next 35 minutes, but they weren't having it. <laughs> Until next time, guys. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you soon. Irish Open next episode. Check that one out.